Welcome back to another episode of Riveting Broads. I'm your host, Jackie Richard. And I'm Molly Merluzzi. We believe that a lot of the important conversations in media and politics have and continue to largely be about women instead of with them. And we're hoping to create a platform where Jackie and I and our featured weekly guests will be able to to be in your kitchen with you on your commute and walk you through problems around vulnerability and identity, um, politics, culture, sexuality, race, all of those things that perhaps you maybe aren't 100% comfortable talking about, but know that um, we can help get you more comfortable by owning our own discomfort. Today, we have another great guest. Jackie, would you like to introduce? Yes, today we have Kara Hutchins, brandologist and founder of Communications, Inc. Kara, um, would you like to give our listeners a little bit of background on what you do and who you are, what makes you tick, what keeps you up at night, <laughs> all of the above? Absolutely. Um, so I, as you so nicely introduced me, I run Communications, Inc., and we are a full-service marketing company in Beverly that helps primarily nonprofits. And um, I feel that most of my life is sort of structured around uh, making a difference for the good in the world. So we do obviously work with a full range of companies, but working with nonprofits is the most gratifying work that we do. Uh, I'm also a mom, a wife, um, and I happen to live and work in the same town, which makes my world, um, I guess, a bit small, but also really deep in that I feel like I know so many people as a result of living in a geographically, living and working in a geographically close area. I grew up uh, in the New York City area and went to college uh, just north of New York. And like all of my uh, peers at college, we commuted or uh, we relocated into the city. I worked on Wall Street, both on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange and also up on a trading desk uh, for Solomon Brothers, the mortgage trading desk. And uh, it was the basis for the novel Liar's Poker, if anybody's read that. Uh, but my passion was always in marketing. So from there, I went and worked for a public oil company in investor relations and then went to Babson got my degree in marketing and entrepreneurship, went and worked for State Street in their heading up their marketing department, and ultimately started my own business after a bit of uh, time doing marketing consulting. So, yeah, just nobody, just the regular straightforward <laughs> path um, <laughs> that everyone follows and all of us can relate to. No, it's, it is pretty exceptional. And we, you know, it's funny having this platform where we bring on people that are personally people that we adore, but then also you almost forget because you're such a, a, a person I would consider now a friend that mm. you, it, when you hear your friend's career, it is kind of amazing to you kind of put that on the back burner you forget how illustrious because you know anyway i'm just <laughs> bragging about your life but so anyway um so today is not only a, a uh adoration of of cara hutchins but instead what we thought today would be an interesting topic to go to address was there's there's a concept that has been recently coined by Aminatu. I, I looked up how to pronounce it. It's a beautiful name. Aminatu okay. Sal and Ann Friedman, who are two business partners that host the podcast Call Your Girlfriend um, that is you know incredibly successful. They have, I was just talking about how much I adore Ann's uh, weekly uh, newsletter that 
is an anthology of incredible essays and perspectives that maybe you don't have time to aggregate yourself, but she sort of tees it up for you in order to learn and sort of stretch your brain in ways you wouldn't have otherwise, which I'm a big fan of. So they coined this term called shine theory. And shine theory, I feel like, and Jackie and I have sort of touched on the topic of shine theory in a couple of different episodes without the name. But the way they characterize it is that it's a practice of mutual investment in each other. Um, They say that over the long term, this investment will help someone be their best self. Then by relying on their help in return, they know that they're not alone. And that's not just figuratively alone. I interpret it at least as, you know, as a as someone who works on uh, on their own a lot of the time. You know, by having someone or many someones in your world that have your are in your corner, as it were, professionally, as a resource, a mentor, um, you know, just a friend that can sort of ground you when you're feeling a little crazy, um, (laughs) which we all do. And so we all know very well. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And so it's the way they say it. um, And I'm I'm really quoting them because they're very. intentional intentional about having shine theory attributed to them because it's a new it's a new concept that they've coined but it is a conscious decision to bring your full self to to your friendships both personal and professional and to not let insecurity or envy ravage them and it's not it's not unique it's not only uh for female friendships they talk about that a lot on their podcast but it's largely for female friendships and that for some reason there is a challenge of, and part of that is related to things we've chatted about briefly, and um, we'll we'll dive into more today, but the idea of the myth of scarcity and that there's only X amount of seats at the table. And we joke about hearing Kara's incredible career, and I would be lying to you. I made a joke about it, but I would be lying to you if I didn't say I'm both in awe and revere her, but I'm also intimidated and, you know, impressed by. And, and you know, I think today's conversation really is meant to to dive into what makes us all feel a little bit uncomfortable with the notion of making sure you're, you've got the other person's back um, personally or professionally. So what do you guys think? Did you guys, when you read about the shine theory, did you, did it resonate with you? Did you feel like it was something that you've encountered in your world? I wasn't familiar about it until you uh, actually sent the email last night, but when I went on the website and read about it, it definitely resonated with me. And in my own way, I think I've been coming to that same conclusion about what makes uh, not only a career rewarding, but also your life. And I think the power of women working together is so important. And I think, especially as I reflect back on my career path, that that was not something that was valued and rewarded. Mm. Um, but I have to jump in here right now and say, I, got, I brought you guys a gift. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which I felt was really appropriate uh, after I you read do, about Shine the honors, Theory. Jackie. Okay. Especially the idea of competing rather than collaborating. Oh, so awesome. as you open it, my husband and I have taken up a new hobby, and it's beekeeping. <gasps> Oh and my goodness. <laughs> no. It's honey. It's honey. It's honey. <gasps> it's our own honey. Sweet. It's Beverly honey. Are you kidding? Oh my me? gosh. So for all of our listeners, we'll have to post a picture of this, but yes. the label says be sweet. <laughs> That's so cute. That's the cutest. I mean, honestly though, I'm just learning about the um 
the importance of beekeeping generally, mm. which is community oriented, because I always thought of bees as the villain, mm. but they're not the villain. Not the honeybees. No, <laughs> thank you honey so bees. much, Carl. And not thank that you. this is going to be a segment about beekeeping at all, but we got into Wouldn't it. Wouldn't that be a fun pivot? <laughs> you were like, be. no, shine theory, but let me. <laughs> I actually could talk about a full hour about this <laughs> right. if you want me to. Yeah, we can learn a lot. <laughs> we'll crack into it. Let's get some spoons. But the uh, we started off working or setting up the hives because we wanted to make a statement about trying to protect the environment mm-hmm. and help the bee colonies that are collapsing. But one of the things that I've realized as we've been taking care of our bees is that the hive is a power of femininity. Mm-hmm. So I think we all know about the queen bee and yep. the importance of the queen bee. But the really funny thing, or I shouldn't say funny, but the interesting thing is that the drones are the only bees that are male, and they do only one thing, which is reproduce. Mm. <laughs> and then you've got these worker bees, and you know they are in charge of foraging for the honey and the nectar, and tending to the queen, and feeding the hive, um, and ventilating the hive, and um, defending it, and cleaning it, which sounds awful familiar. So <laughs> I think as, as I was thinking about the shine effect, I was thinking that really is sort of kind of what we're talking about here Absolutely. right where you right. all pull together look at and you coming in here with other. tangible evidence a powerful analogy and i emailed you last night <laughs> <laughs> well, it just click no so. it's that's such a good analogy mm-hmm. i it's interesting a because i only know peripherally about bees but i also think that so you you're referencing a lot of times women take on the extra load emotional labor or physical labor those smaller things that perhaps we all don't you know we talked about in one episode recently about how you never know what someone's going through mm-hmm. and i think about that in the context of of female friendships because and and i say friendships i'm going to just for the context of the conversation, say friendships, but I mean, you know, relationships more broadly, uh, professionally um, as well, because friendships can take a lot of different forms. But I find that a lot of times you end up, like I want my people to succeed so much. We joke about being good hype women. I want my people to succeed and thrive because it makes me happy to 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 see these people that I love be happy, right? Um, but there's not a day that goes by that I don't have moments of self-doubt in that exercise of both supporting and loving them, whether it's jealousy or envy mm-hmm. or, you know, just general insecurity on my part. Um, you know, people think from the outside one might look confident, but you're you're always grappling with it. So I'm thinking back to the bees and back to the hive the environmentalist in me wants to point out that bees are our pollinators. So without bees, we don't have food. So you think about the hive supporting itself as a feminist entity and the fact that that entity is supporting our lives. It's the life force. So when I think Mm. about that on a global level with women, I think that we are kind of the heartbeat of the world. We're the nurturers, we're the caretakers, we're the creative, compassionate forces that really unite people and I think the stronger we support each other just like the hive supports the queen bee the healthier our overall global climate is because you know women have been impressed for a long time and now they're starting to rise up and and look at it I think it's this is indicative of what happens when women support women you see things like the me too movement happening you see women being more successful in their careers you know there's a lot more coming to the forefront when we're able 
to support each other. And going back to if it resonates, for me, it's always been, you know, I talk about my evolution and kind of changing my thought processes coming from a pretty conservative background. I, as I learned about the environment and the importance of bees and pollinators, I also learned about the importance of supporting your community because I used to be very competitive with women mm. and I realized it doesn't help any of us. And now I, where do you think your competitiveness came from? Cause I'm interested in that because I had a similar situation, but I don't know. I'm curious if it was the same, the same energy that informed your competitiveness. Um, I think for me, you know, it's hard and it's something I, I mean, obviously ego, you know, we're all protecting our ego. I think that there's the influence of the media that kind of make pits us against each other in the conservative mindset. You know, there's still like slut shaming and, mm. and things like that, that happen pretty frequently. And, and you don't want to be associated with that from an outsider's view. When you've referenced it, it's like in this pursuit of piety in this pursuit of perfection mm. or in pursuit of being this, you know, the, the best version of self you can be, whatever the parameters are, um, you end up, or from an outside perspective, you end up being the most critical mm -hmm. because you're so afraid of showing your true colors because you don't want that to count against you. Right. And um, that to me, I think resonates in a lot of beyond Christian faith, but mm. I'm curious if that was maybe your your experience yeah i think really what it comes i've actually been reflecting on this a lot lately because i have um someone in my life who has been there for a long time we had a weird romantic history and i used to feel like i almost had seniority over anyone and it was really wanting to win wanting to be mm. the one mm. wanting to be wanted wanting to be special i think that's really what it comes down to a lot of it is feeling insecure with yourself. So then instead of lifting yourself up and lifting up other women, you compete against them. So you feel more superior. That I think that's really where I was coming from. And then I found empowerment and way more empowerment in supporting women. Yeah. And advocating for them instead of putting them down so that I can get a leg up with someone else. They say to ask the Aminatu and Anne say to ask, would we be better as collaborators than as competitors? Mm, and, oh, I love that. And it's it's interesting because people say competition breeds innovation, right? Like if you're competing with each other, you're trying harder to. But for me, in my experience, I mean, even Jackie and I uh, starting this this business, it, we I, I didn't know I was being strategic, but the more and more I know about Jackie's approach to the world and her, you know, drive to to learn and to to connect people i was like oh i was pretty strategic you know like i was pretty smart bringing this lady on and i, I agree no, I'm, no, I'm like i'm actually not joking but it sounds Thank you like so I, much but it's so funny I, I truly feel that way and it's it's funny because i at the time was doing the first thing which was oh i want to collaborate with you because i think what you're doing is really interesting and i've had this you know, idea of doing a podcast for a long time, and I thought you'd be perfect for it. But I would say that it's in some ways that that's a that's a, a today Molly, and maybe the Molly of of yesteryear um, <laughs> um, was someone that that's you know, my mom always said that I had these like friendships, I had these best friends in different phases of my life that I'm still friends with, most of them. Um, 
And for one reason or another, we all grow apart and grow and change, etc. But I would seek out like the like the smartest and most interesting or like someone who's really good at something and so forth. I didn't know I was doing that. But my mom said to me that I was doing it because I was really competitive. And I remember my mom being so offended. I remember being like, I'm not competitive. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I don't, that's not me. I'm insecure and anxious. And I guess the truth is you can be all of those things, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe when women work to, I mean, I think with, in Cara's case, we talked about your career, but just as like a professional um, today, do you feel that with other marketers, like you and I are both marketers, mm. I, and I'm being honest, it hasn't crossed my mind that I felt of, of us as competitors in right. any way, yeah. but I can see that happening to people. Curious. Well, and it might be age for me, because uh, I am in my 50s now, that I don't view... We're going to post a picture of her. <laughs> I was going to say, she I does just, not look... Yes, not yeah. that 50 looks old at I got, all. I got my makeup on, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. It's the makeup. <laughs> but I, I think um, I don't view people as collaborative because we're all... And this might sound a bit hokey, but we're all unique, so... To me, being, you don't I mean, sorry, competitive. I was like, I don't view us as competitors because everybody is unique. And so I think to say, well, you're in marketing, I'm in marketing, therefore we're competitors is a, a, an oversimplification. Yeah. And I, the other thing that That's I feel example. too is that, um, and this is one of the reasons I like Beverly because there's so many creative people here that. Uh, coming together as a community of similar people with similar talents is very important. And I think about it, I mean, I think the best analogy is downtown. If you go to a downtown and there's one restaurant, one coffee shop, one store, you're not going to go to that place. You tend to go, for example, with food, you tend to go to an area where there's lots of restaurants because it's Mm -hmm. way more interesting and everybody rises up. I feel like when they're together in an area where people of similar interests and talents are are working together. Absolutely. I think it's short-sighted to think that just because you're in a similar industry with someone that you have to be competitors because my, you know, I'm in the insurance industry. That's a very saturated industry in, in this area of the North Shore of Massachusetts. And I run a networking group, the Next Gen Network. And occasionally insurance agents will show up and I sometimes they're like, they feel a little weird because Phil Richard Insurance is primarily who I work for and they're our major sponsor. And I always tell them like, no, I love meeting other insurance Mm. agents because to me, you know, we're a medium sized agency, so we can only service so many people. We want really great referral partners. Maybe they have better markets so they can actually better serve our clients than we could. So I think it's, and then, you know, you can collaborate, you can share Mm. profits. There's all sorts of ways to get creative with collaborating instead of just pushing someone away and saying, no, 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 we're we're too similar. I think if you're similar, then you lift each other up and we're all stronger, you know? I think it's, I think it's a great way to say it. And I also you know, something that struck me about this is that they keep calling it a practice, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, mm. we have to identify that, you know, this is a, this is a hopeful idea, <laughs> right? Like this is an idea that has, is aspirational to mm-hmm. some degree. And, you know, the fact that you're able to, in any industry, bring other folks that are doing the same thing you're doing and recognizing their value as a collaborator, I would argue is a practiced 
thought thinking process, you know, thought exercise where it becomes natural, it becomes a part of you, but you have to presuppose that there's that person has a level of confidence that person doesn't view you as a competitor that like this the shine theory was interesting to me because it's mutual investment right Mm -hmm. like there's it's one thing because so they they go to say they go on to say that it's not about trying to help everyone you meet along the way in your career because if you're doing it right it's simply not possible to invest deeply in that many people mm-hmm. and yeah. I hear that and I'm like at first I'm like yes I can I can invest in everyone I can do it and and I think that's an Achilles heel of yeah. mine where I. So I'm like, okay, I'm all in. All right. So we're all investing in each other. And then what their point is, is you can, you can only invest as deeply in the people that you feel have the equal and opposite mm-hmm. energy coming back at you. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's like a relationship, right? If you're, you know, if you've, seen, we've all had friends like this been, or or we ourselves have been in relationships where the one partner gives so much and the other partner phones it in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's not a sustainable model, right? It's someone's no. going to burn out no. and someone's going to get bored. I don't know. I, or I, resentful. Or resentful, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. That's really the number one cause yeah. of divorce, right? <laughs> Very <there>. angry. <laughs> no, that's right. It's You're right. True. That's more I mean, so than anything. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like there's – what was interesting about this is like it's not – you guys should be nice to everyone and make sure that they have a successful life. That's try, try to do that. I mean, I don't think they're suggesting you shouldn't try, but like in order for this to work, it has to be an agreement almost like a, like a intangible contract Mm -hmm. with the people in your world that you are advocating for and they're advocating for you. And it's not, I guess it's not, like, it's not like I promote your, I think of, and I'm not going to mention this, it's not the Next Gen Network, <laughs> but there's, there's, there's some networking places that you, they keep a tally of who you refer and they like, oh, they like, yeah. they really are aggressive in their, yeah. in their <laughs> way. And I, I've never been a member, but I've learned about some of those organizations. And the idea is that on paper, that makes a lot of sense. Cause it's like, well, then I'll get by numbers, at least 30 referrals. So da, 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 you know. But for me, a referral, like a true referral, is because I believe in the person that I'm referring mm-hmm. you to. They're not crazy. They're great. They're someone I can endorse. And then, you know, I believe in you as the provider, so I'm not going to set you up with someone I don't trust, right? And that, to me, is different than, I don't know, networking on a topical level. Yeah. What do you guys think? Well, I think the interesting, that's a really good distinction, and I think that can be one of the perils of networking is that everybody's talking over each other. Mm -hmm. And so I think you have to equally be committed to the relationship as opposed to, I'm just going to talk, talk about my business and tune out when you start talking about yours. You have to build a relationship. Absolutely. And I think going back to the confidence thing too, if you're confident in what you do and you know what what you bring to the table and as marketers, I'm sure you know the term, what's your differentiator? What sets you apart? If you know what that is, then there, then that's fine. Then that's good. Then you can collaborate with other people. I think competition happens when you're feeling threatened and you're feeling yes. threatened because you're not feeling yes. confident about what you're doing. So I think collaborating with other people only builds our confidence because ultimately when you're competing against someone all the time, what are you doing? You're questioning what you bring to the table. If you know, it's then toxic. you can support each other. Exactly. Because maybe, you know, you're both marketers. Maybe you both specialize in something different that you're really proud of. Or 
You maybe know. you could learn like from yeah. them as a Absolutely. part of that too. Like, Absolutely. Um, and so, and I don't want to think about it, I guess, just as career. That was on me because I sort of contextualized it in the career. But as women, what do you think it is about us that, you know, we've, we've touched on this before, which is we don't, we want to be one of the girls that can hang. Like <laughs> we're both, you know, we love our womanhood, but we're also not too in your face about it. And I think about, that's not how I feel by the by. Yeah. I, think you all know, <laughs> I think you all know that. But, yeah. um, but I guess my point is, is that what is it about us that feels like, like it feels like it's for me right now, I feel like a lot of my friendships are, I fall really hard, really fast. Right. Like, I just love people, and I think mm-hmm. stories are interesting, and I'm like, I want you in my life. You're amazing. And then what ends up happening is I sort of I sort of close my eyes to the red flags. <laughs> like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you kind of, that's, that's not really nice the way you're talking to that, that child or, or whatever. Like, there's examples of, in my experience, where people have, I, I assume everybody has the same politics as me or, or whatever, and I end up, which is a total ridiculous thought but I guess my I'm using examples of things in my life that are super niche but I just find myself either trusting so deeply and like going all in and wanting that person to thrive and succeed as a person or as a professional whatever or I end up constantly in fear that some shoe is going to drop and like I'm going to realize that this person that I think is so great is actually not so great. I don't know. Is that is that relatable to you guys? Um, for me, yes, but to men. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, that that applies to my romantic Makes relationships. Sense. But I'm actually the opposite of you. It takes me a really long time to get close to people. Um, but I think it's because I've been friends with competitive people in the past, and it's a little, you know, not ideal i feel like constantly there's two versions of molly you know i've always said i pride myself on not being able to separate the personal from the professional Mm. i'm talking about dividing the personal into two or the professional into two like how i if you work with a celebrity at an event and when you're talking to that famous person you're very cool calm and collected Mm -hmm. and then you go to the bathroom and you freak the fuck out you know like and so i i do that i think the same in my life which is on on the one hand i have this molly that like is very thoughtful and strategic about who she engages with and how she engages with them um and then there's this other molly that perhaps is maybe just it's like that we talked about the um the upside down um from that show that we what is it called what's the show that stranger things thank you stranger things i've referenced <laughs> it previously <laughs> but the concept is universe it's like this idea that there's this underground you know figuratively in all of our lives so there's like the normal life we're all living but there's this evil other equal and opposite world underneath or around it's in another universe and i think about that version of molly which is like i really genuinely believe that I want them to be successful and then there's this other part of me that's like really threatened or really insecure I don't know I just think it's funny to be both a very confident human a woman person um citizen and then also at the same time be so fragile yeah well I think the fear of inadequacy is something that permeates most women Especially, so it's hard not to compare yourself. And who's to say men don't do the same thing? I don't really of course, know. Yeah, you know. I think you're being very honest. I think everybody feels that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the quant, the concept of the quantified self. Like we, I as a marketer, 
um, or brand strategist or social media person, whatever. Um, I think I, I know the machine so well, like the machine being it all, right? The, the reputation management, messaging and positioning, et cetera, that I end up, I'm almost like in it too deep that mm-hmm. I realize that like, you know, likes on a on an mm. Instagram post or, oh, wow, she posted a really cool selfie of herself or wait, should I like post less of my kid or do they think I'm the like, wh- you know, and this like constant narrative that sometimes distracts me and would make being a good, you know, counter investor in a, in a other so, someone else's success challenging because I would feel like. You know, we always say we can't serve from an empty cup. That's like mm-hmm. our classic thing lately. Um, I For the first two episodes, I talked about containing multitudes. This is my new thing. But um, <laughs> I just, the idea that we as women compete with each other is is disappointing to me sometimes because we're all struggling so hard to stay afloat mm-hmm. that it's like, why are we putting this other energy on ourselves mm. to do that? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think one of the, one of the, I can totally relate to what you're saying. And one of the things I've really worked on doing recently is living in the present moment. Yeah. And I think those voices in my he- head got much louder, especially as I became a parent. And if you really practice the exercise of being in the moment, I think a lot of those voices are related to, oh my God, what did I do? And re-examining what you did in the past or worrying about how you're going to handle something in the future that I think that staying in the present moment really sort of helps to calm your mind a lot. Yeah. Mm. And in terms of the competition between women, I, I thought a lot about that recently and I find it really upsetting because it happens generationally. It happens within our lifestyles. Um, and it was interesting. I went for a walk with a friend of mine this morning and hopefully she'll listen to this podcast. Uh, and we were talking and we were talking about the way you get judged as a woman just because of what you decide to do with your life. So if you're a working mom, you feel insecure because of what a stay-at-home mom has said. If you're a working, well, you know, that stay-at-home home mom feels judged by the working woman. And I don't hear men talking about right. this stuff. They feel really comfortable morphing between all these different lifestyles. Right. And is it real? Is it imagined? I don't know, but... And even I'm very involved with reproductive health and Planned Parenthood. And, you know, some of the people that are the meanest to women are other women. Yeah, it's so true. Especially you saw that during the Kavanaugh trial. It, as it was well. horrible. It was, I mean, you know, triggering is a, a word I don't use lightly, but that was truly triggering to see that kind of thing. And I think one thing I want to add to that, too, is competition amongst women as far as being a mom and not being a mom. Exactly. I, I'm 30. I don't have kids. I'm single. We, we, I mentioned this in every episode. Because <laughs> it's, it's relevant. It's, it's, it's related. related. Yeah. yeah. And, it's always um, you know, I, I've always gone back and forth. If I want to get married, if I want to have kids, I, I still haven't really made up my mind. And something... Which is cool. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that because a lot of women who have had children 
when I say that, they say, oh, well, you'll change your mind someday. Which, by the way, I'm just going to speak on behalf of you right now. That's so fucked up. Because <laughs> that is like, that is, because once you have a kid, you realize that all those people that right. told you you'd make the cutest kids They're liars. are actually just want you to come over to the dark side and commiserate. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm like, you guys can't fool me. I have friends who have kids. I know what this is you're about. You're smarter than mm-hmm. the average. Because mm-hmm. I was like, you're right. We would make cute right. kids. And here we are. No, just well, I think I had, <laughs> side note, I had um, very <laughs> amazing birth control because my mom had my baby sister when I was 13. So I did a Love oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, we could unpack that in a different. <laughs> the thirteen-year-old dealing with a screaming newborn. Oh is my god. Yeah, scary. no, that is well. It is kind of birth control. You're right. Oh, uh, it's amazing birth control. And I'm thirty, <laughs> and I still remember that. <laughs> to talk that about triggering the doll that you had to bring home from yeah. school. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, no, I'm good. But I think a lot of that has to do with again feeling. This is something for me. I think my deepest insecurity in life is probably a feeling of inadequacy, feeling like I'm never doing enough or I'm not enough for someone. And I think that applies to my romantic relationships. Well, I'm like really spilling my guts Let's here. Let's do it. But I just did. I don't know, know what I was well, talking about. This is what I'm trying to do too, because <laughs> yeah. I have a tendency to be very reserved when it comes to my own personal feelings because I've kind of been taught by society that mm. that's what you do. You know, and now I'm realizing that there's so much strength and vulnerability. So I'm, I'm realizing my fear of inadequacy is what was driving my feeling of competition. Mm. And once I kind of changed that and started looking inside and saying, well, who, who are you feeling inadequate for? And I realized right. it's, it's self-defeating attitudes that have been put, placed on me by other people who are also feeling really insecure about themselves and their lives. So once I realized that, I was like, oh, everyone's fucked up. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, we let me, weird. Yeah, so let me look in, inwards and realize, oh, I actually find strength in supporting other women. I find confidence in supporting other women. My favorite thing to do is go up to a random stranger and compliment them. I think it's it just makes my heart flutter, and I feel like I did a little random act of kindness. Mm-hmm. I think in the past I would have looked at them like, oh, I wish I could look like that. But right. you know, in, right. instead I'm gonna let them know how beautiful they are because I don't think we hear it enough. So I do think it's important to kind of like look at where your insecurities are coming from. Why aren't we wanting to support each other? And how can and we turn who's that around? Defining. Right, what being a good person is, because I'll put this out here and see what you guys think. I feel that so much of this is defined by men. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think our body image is defined by men. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, if we look at it from a marketing point of view, I mean, Walls, I mean, um, Madison Avenue was all male. I mean, it's Mad Men. Right. You know, and we were taught that you're supposed to be really happy when you get a new washing machine and you can do your clothes like that. And how much of those stereotypes have gone away? And I think we're playing into ceding our power mm. with these insecurities. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh and then my you God, hear about that's so true. Like perfectly said, the Kavanaugh trials. Going back to that, this is it keeps coming up because the thing that broke my heart the most was seeing women on my social media feed bashing Dr. Ford for coming out and being so brave. And it's, I have to wonder where they're coming from. Like, why are we not at least giving her the benefit of the doubt? And I have girlfriends, I have one girlfriend where we, if she listens to this, it's, she's going to know exactly who she is because whenever we start talking about <laughs> feminism, I'm like, I gotta go. I can't talk to you about this because 
we have such different perspectives and it's been hard getting through to her that by supporting the man before the woman we're not doing anything for our own gender mm. in fact we're just emboldening them mm. to continue behaving so and i think slut shaming is huge you see that with women all the time mm. it bothers the crap out of me like when i was in college my one of my really good friends to this day what i say she was um advanced as far as like where her agency was with her body when we were in college oh, yeah. and she was tell me about her she, yeah cool. she she was just like i'm i'm gonna do what i want to do and i mm-hmm. literally said to her but what about your reputation? Mm. Because I was raised think, t- being told that your reputation is all you have. And if you let a boy touch you, it will destroy your reputation mm-hmm. and you'll have nothing left. Oh my God. I just think of baby Jackie hearing that. It, <laughs> I still internalize <laughs> it. Intense. So for me, it's about turning off what I was taught and realizing mm. to do the opposite of that. So I've apologized to her for slut shaming her when we're in college mm. because I'm like, and for it's not like she was like this crazy promiscuous person she just didn't give a crap what other Mm. people thought about Mm. her Mm. so it was really and you know she appreciates that i acknowledge that now because it's you know it's one of those things where at the time i thought i was helping her too right right well i think that that's sort of Mm. what car was suggesting with advertising is right you think you're doing the right thing because you're seeing an example of what success Mm. looks like or femininity looks like or confidence Mm. looks like and so you're sure you're doing the right thing by acting like you're thrilled about your washer you know and then you're and and i also think that social media contributes to that right so now we're not only are we feeling insecure but we're watching as voyeurs through the lens of our our iphones our smartphones and 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 comparing and contrasting our success or our our you know physical health or beauty or or confidence levels or achievement unlocked by posting that like I think about this a lot actually now that I'm around holidays so I don't know if you guys think of this so if as a new mom a lot of times like people will post like their holiday photos or they'll do pumpkin patch photos or they'll do that <laughs> daisy thing or whatever. <laughs> you mean the sunflowers? Sun- well, no, there's like, yeah, maybe it's the sunflowers. There's, I love There's sunflowers. a certain farm where you can yes, like plant. Yes, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like someone sent out a manual to all of us that <laughs> said, you know, there's this scavenger hunt called womanhood and you need to check the box mm-hmm. of these things at each point of the year so that you know you're a full human and i i i don't know is am i being and this is maybe a rhetorical question but feel free to answer it either way am i being critical because i'm insecure that i couldn't make enough time to go get that photo or am i being critical because i don't feel like i just had a baby at the time and i didn't feel sexual like am i feeling like am i feeling critical because you guys look like you've got it all figured out and i'm over here like barely scraping by i don't know but and maybe all of the above is a d all of the above mm. but i just i guess like we have we there is this sort of this like drumbeat of us performing our gender or performing our success and performing what it means to be a woman who is successful. And so the shine theory, which, you know, is the impetus for this conversation, is a hard thing to imagine when you're feeling down on yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just, like you referencing your friend, I can I can see you being well-intended and 
wanting to, you're trying to do the you were trying to do the equivalent of the shine theory but it was coming from an uninformed place exactly right? an, an oppressive mm. place frankly mm, yeah and, but you know what i respect it because back then she was like i don't care what other people think i'm gonna do what i want mm. and at the time her. i was like Ugh. but now looking back i th- i i'm in awe of it because that's an advanced mindset at that age and i think Going back to your rhetorical question, I think it's all of the above. Yeah. I think it's about unpacking our own insecurities and then also what the lesson or the stories society has told us that maybe don't apply to us and, and being okay with that. Right. Like you know, you can, that's what I'm doing right now in my life. Well, the older I get, the more I appreciate the power of women. I mean, mm-hmm. whether you choose to have children or not, we are the life force. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, nothing trumps that. Right. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, that word has been canceled. Yes. <laughs> well, there's Good a idea. funny joke, too. We're the only thing that bleeds uh, for seven days and doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, we feel insecure. And we feel that we can be defined by the other gender. Mm-hmm. And right. that we have to fit into these very narrow constraints. And I... I really, truly believe it's because we are a tremendous threat. Absolutely. Because of the power we truly have. And we don't need to raise our voices and yell and scream, but we just need to say, that just isn't relevant to me. I don't, I don't, like your friend. Mm-hmm. I, I, I take my hat off to her for yeah. the confidence that she had and for recognizing the fact that this is all about control, in my opinion. Absolutely. And the the best way to neutralize such a powerful force is to have us tear each other apart mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by by what we do for a living, by our generations, by, our by looks, whatever. Because if we rise up together, it's amazing what could happen. I think I always say that and we are rising the up. world and women are going to save it. Yes. But I think they're terrified of that and, and not in a way that we're like, oh, we're going to get rid of you all it's no we're we're not taking your shit anymore yeah yeah the the thing i worry about though is how much we can do by ourselves because i've been thinking a lot about the fact that there's a lot of silence on the part of the men and i think things like the shine effect are really powerful but again i go back to reproductive health where are the men right you know for for every uh woman that's on taking affordable birth control there's another person that's benefiting from that Mm -hmm. and where are they and where are they standing up and where are the men standing up when during the kavanaugh hearings you know they all sit back and let us fight it it's just like our own labor that we have to go through again it's almost patronizing like it's it's almost i mean it's 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 like you guys you guys you chickens talk amongst yourselves you know right and i i yeah, I that to me is really the hardest part, and to feel like you're in a place of 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 defensiveness from the get go is a really frustrating place to be. Mm-hmm. Where you know, if so, to your point, shine theory is great, but there also should be allies and folks advocating and that's not allies that are also a little weird themselves and are cool no those are allies are the men in the Mm. boys club Mm -hmm. that have this conversation and think that this is this is cutesy or funny or dismissing uh, of ability to be dismissed i just find that perhaps another part of the reason why it does feel 
you know, delicious to feel sometimes like hating on other women because you're like, oh, she's going to fail. And that makes me feel better. But mm-hmm. it doesn't. I, there's something that Jackie made me think of, too, in relation to this was the, the idea that, you know, you with your friend um, who agreed two hats off to her. <laughs> um, but I, I, I can identify with that because um, I almost like I can, I envy women like that. Cause I, on the one hand, I think I also, I think I'm very like confident and sexual and feminine and my own way. And then I'm also like, I apologize for it and feel self-conscious if I'm too much of something. Mm-hmm. And that's because I've internalized this idea mm-hmm. that there's, that's like bold. And it's like the same reason why we shouldn't celebrate, um, you know, uh, dads being stay-at-home dads because it shouldn't be exceptional, right? right. But it's it, it. There's a part of me that you can both be. You can be both, rather. Uh, you know, sexual and confident, or into whatever, and also be. You know, able to navigate different. I don't know. I guess I'm not trying to think. Of, I'm trying to think of two polarized examples, like because I just feel like I embody both someone who is insecure and judgmental as well as someone who's super confident and supportive. Mm-hmm. And you can be both of those those paradigms and own that. And that's part of, I guess, why the, it's a practice, right? You're constantly, like, it doesn't make you rare. Like, if you, if you, there's a little part of you that wants to be that thing you're envying, right? Like, there's a little, like, I'm mm-hmm. envying not just the fact that, you know, your friend was sort of sexually confident, but I'm also envying her ability to own it. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I feel like that's something I, sometimes I, I grapple with both of those things. Right. And I think that was a projection of my own personal insecurity onto her. And I think it goes back to, you know, me not feeling confident in my own sexuality because I was taught not to own it that it was defined by what other people thought mm-hmm. how I was behaving mm-hmm. and hers was the polar opposite. So again, I talk about if you question, if you make someone else question their own form of convention and their cognitive dissonance kicks in, I mean, they're just going to get defensive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what happened with me. I saw someone behaving the polar opposite mm-hmm. of me and it made me question what I was doing. And if I wasn't right, then she must have been. So I've been wrong this whole time. And, and then right. what's my life? What have I done? What do <laughs> I know? And there's a part Who of me that's I? like, what if I, wait, what, do I really like that? No, right. I can't like that. That's what I've been told I shouldn't like. Yeah. And let's be honest, I was jealous. Yeah. She could get whoever she wanted. She's gorgeous. She was confident. She, she still is, mm-hmm. you know, so it, she, she could look at someone across the room and, and they would want to come talk to her because mm-hmm. they could see not that she was going to go home with them because that's that's not the impression that she was giving them. But it was just this looks like a self-assured Even if she woman. Was. Exactly. <laughs> and here I am, like just backtracking because I know oh. she's going to listen. I don't want her to feel like I'm sitting here putting her on blast because really what I'm doing is acknowledging how advanced and strong she was for an 18 year old woman mm. in college. I, I'm still in awe of it, frankly. And I, I don't know. I think that. It's it's hard still for me to not get in that competitive mindset with women. So how it's do we, really hard? No, it's it's mm. and it's super brave of you to admit it. And that's sort of I know sometimes I feel like I'm just word word vomiting here, but I, I, I I'm processing in real time <laughs> is what I'll say. But I'm curious, what do you guys think would be well okay, I'm pretend you're giving me advice. You know, I 
I want to be a better advocate. I want to be a better support person for other women. Mind you, I actually think that's a big part of what I, my is my personal brand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always say I'm a really good Jackie yes. and I both, a good hype woman. It's part <laughs> of who I am. But if that wasn't me, pretend it's not me, someone else, like how, how would you advise someone, someone who's listening, who's like, I always feel insecure and I get threatened by other women. I want to find this. I want to employ this shine theory in my life. What would you say? Well, I would say that, first of all, I think you're an amazing example to everybody about how oh. to support other women. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I, that, the moment, the first time I met you, I was like, wow, it's so really refreshing to meet somebody like you who mm. is so supportive of other women. So I agree. Thanks. The hypothetical advice to somebody. <laughs> wow, would be, thank you. Maybe you start with forging bonds with people where there's no direct or indirect competition. Mm. Mm-hmm. So starting finding um, a marketing person. I mean, not a marketing person if you're in, mar- in our sure, industry, sure. but maybe somebody who's starting up a little business somewhere. Or... I like that idea. Like, and then, then you it's, could slowly it's just success. work towards the force field. Right. <laughs> right. It's right. It's just working. It's on a very basic level. It's just supporting their success, whatever right. that is for them. It could be a teacher. It could be a, you know, yeah. anybody. There's mm-hmm. so many people that need, we all need support out there. And right? maybe you We're have all them. insecure. Yeah. Right. I think that's what, for me, it's a two-prong approach. I think going back to the men, where where the male allies, I'm actually very proud of my close guy friends um, because they're all feminists. It's amazing. They're they're all allies, and they're, they're eager and willing to learn more. So they've actively asked, how can I support women? How can I be an ally? When these conversations come up, what do I say? So wow. that, that's my advice to, to men and women who are learning, you know, just listen and support and ask. Just, just try and gain an understanding of where someone else is coming from before assuming you know. And I think with women, it's about giving each other the benefit of the doubt and oh, realizing that, yeah. you know, we're not coming out and, you know, making a claim about sexual assault to get famous. Like, that's mm. not something people typically do so why is that the constant narrative around that subject i think it's more about listening again it's really about listening and instead of just assuming you know asking and and trying to reach that level understanding and i think talking to someone different than you is a great way to do that because you know we talk about this in almost every episode every woman that comes on i envy i'm jealous of i want to know how does she get there how is she doing it and you know What's, what, what isn't she saying that I'm not seeing? And I think we're learning that in each episode. Again, you say we contain mm. multitudes. It's true mm. because we're looking at these strong, powerful, successful, amazing women. And they're also coming in and talking about Don't what they're insecure about. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So that's the other thing is being open and being honest about where we're coming from. That's why you and I connected, Molly, mm. so well, because we sat down and we just opened right up. And that's really mm-hmm. refreshing. And it's really refreshing for you to come on, Cara, and be able to do the same thing. And I'm actually really curious, too, because you mentioned that you worked on Wall Street in the 80s. And I asked you, how was your experience, assuming, I, assuming it was going to be very sexist and oppressive? And, mm. and you said it was the opposite. So I'm curious yeah. of how that, what, what you've taken away from that 
and how you apply it to your relationships today, how you, you know, look at other men, but also treat other women. Yep, sure. So, um, and this is only my experience, mm -hmm. and I don't mean to make broad statements here, but I was lucky because when I worked on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, I had, I hate the word mentor, but I had a mentor, and he was a successful uh, businessman. And... <laughs> Actually, it was funny. He used to take me up to lunch at the Luncheon Club, which was this really swanky club on the top floor of uh, the New York Stock Exchange. And believe it or not, it was women only. And it wasn't that you couldn't be a woman member. It was that you were not allowed in as a woman. And he just walked right by the maitre d' with me and said, she's my guest. Wow. And so I sort of followed him around like a puppy dog. And he told <laughs> me, you know, don't go out for drinks with those guys. <laughs> and... It was, it was very natural. And one of the interesting things was as I moved into marketing and I moved into much more of a female environment, the competition became brutal. Mm -hmm. And I had all these people backstabbing me that I didn't even know about. I mean, I remember when I was at the oil company, my, uh, it was back in the day when you had secretaries, and my secretary was saying all these fake things about me. Oh. I had a female boss at State Street who was really difficult to work for, very unsupportive. Everything you did was no good. Mm. I have had a similar experience. And, it's, and, and that was the first time, and I thought, you know, it was interesting that, and I think sometimes it starts when we're young girls, even with our mothers. I mean, I, my mother was a very, is a very traditional woman, and I adore her to pieces, but she came from the 1950s stereotype of like, before your husband comes home, put some lipstick on. Mm -hmm. And she was always concerned that my success was going to mean that I wasn't going to, you know, have a full life, you know, husband, children, yeah. and all of those things, even, even after I had uh, my son. And the roadblocks and the obstacles in, in my personal experience were other women. Right. Which is so interesting, but it also adds a perspective on maybe why so many women don't identify as feminist or feel the same sentiment that we're talking about mm -hmm. because they probably had a similar experience where maybe they were actually more supported by men in right. their career. Yeah. And it sounds like your initial mentor was an ally. Yes. And yeah. maybe that wasn't. You know, it wasn't really a hot topic at that point, I'm guessing. But Well, and it was interesting because it also felt very, like, n gender neutral, kind of. Mm. He just th saw me as a hard worker, as a scrappy kid that was trying <laughs> to make it. And it wasn't like, because you're a woman, I've got to protect. I mean, there were undercurrents to it. Sure. Right. Where there always like, is. It can't you know, help it. Right. Well, and it's a fine line, too, of but being he was probably progressive. and respectful. Yeah, exactly. For that. Actually. He was politically completely conservative. Oh, that makes me mm. upset. But conservative no, back then was But different. also interesting. Because really it's bizarre. true. It's not people fit into boxes. I, yeah. Part of what I think is interesting about the way we establish um, ourselves in any profession or any social environment is that we're, we're trying to both, we're trying to be different things to different people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a uniquely female tendency woman mm -hmm. tendency our female identifying tendency point. where we we have to like i code switch in a room of people mm -hmm. and that takes an extra amount of emotional labor whereas a man you know if i were a man in that scenario i would just be the same person and then 
expect everybody to accept it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're sort of taught we have to like morph Alex Mack style into right. whatever, you That's know, works point. for mm-hmm. the people we're with. Like a part of the shine theory was that they, they talk about cultivating a spirit of genuine happiness and excitement when your friends are doing well and being for there for them when they aren't. Mm-hmm. And I think that that genuine excitement and happiness for someone's success when you're in a place where you're constantly concerned that your spot could be taken up by someone else is a really hard mm-hmm. thing to do. And so to find yourself in scenarios where I genuinely want that person to be successful instead of, I hope they're successful just enough that they're happy, but like not too much that I lose mm-hmm. my job or whatever. <laughs> and like, I know that that's why the, it, that made me think of it because when you mentioned the boss to, an employee. Um, I think it's a great example that a lot of people encounter where by being threatened by, you know, an, your employee or someone up and coming or a peer, mm-hmm. or et cetera, you're actually perpetuating this, like you said, if we all keep fighting with each other, they're going to keep us down mm-hmm. sort of mindset, which, you know, I remember going in bright eyed, bushy tailed to a, a job where I thought I was going to be best friends with my boss, which Mm -hmm. was, and and that's a control issue of my own for another episode. But I, you know, was like, we're going to be great friends. And we were very not, we were very topical friends. And I just kept getting caught off guard by, like, I, I have a really thick skin because I was in an environment where things, you know, whether it was writing torn apart or, you Mm -hmm. know, critiques on the side about my voice being too loud on a call or things, you know, just like constant little microcosmic, like, just so you know, I'm here and you're here. And just for those um, in the podcast, I did a cool gesture where I said, someone's on top and someone's (laughs) below. I realized my my hand motions don't go over the sound waves. But yeah, I, um, for me, I do think that that's genuinely, uh, a challenge for all of us which is it it we can be insecure but we have to intentionally try to recognize our own insecurity so that Mm. we can be that counterpoint for the people that we know and love you know specifically women but men as well because i think that's the part that's hard for all of us which is being genuinely excited and being the kind of excited that you know it passes socially mm. <laughs> are different things. And that's where I feel like in my life, I feel more whole as a person when I'm honest with myself that, yes, I'm maybe I'm feeling anxious or in, envious or jealous or insecure, but I genuinely want that person to succeed. And I want to have that rise to the top and the other stuff sort of go to the back burner. Right. There's this cool. picture that's, um, it's actually my cover photo on Facebook. and I. It's really my own personal reminder, and I just, I love it. it. It's a political cartoon, but it applies to this. It's a picture of a, um, a school of fish shaped like a fish eating a big fish, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. That's I awesome. love that. And it says, organize at the bottom yeah. with an exclamation point. And to me, the, I look at it as there's power in numbers. Yep. The more we support each other, the more successful we're going to be and the less of a big deal it's going to be down the road. Or the more of a f- formidable force will be that we won't be able to be taken down or oppressed by, you know, male society the way we are now still. Yes. Um, but I'm, I'm really proud of how far women have come and I feel like more are waking up. And I think that 
every conversation is an opportunity to teach someone something. And to learn. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And just to continue to support each other. So, well, I learned a lot today. I, Cara, thank you for taking the time to both, you know, be vulnerable and also share your career with Jackie and I. I I've learned a lot from from you, but I always learn when I talk to Jackie. But it's nice <laughs> to have you on um, to, to share in that. So, um, I also want to say to anybody out there that feels like this is a topic that's relatable to you, um, or that you never thought of before, and now you realize, wait a minute, I totally can identify with that. Um, we want to hear from you. So, mm-hmm. um, and we we're we're hoping to do some of those listener features in future episodes. So, we've gotten a lot of great feedback where where things resonate on different topics. So, if this is one of those that that struck a chord, um, please feel free to reach out to us. Or if we said something out of turn, too. Yes, mm. we were talking about doing a cringeworthy section. Because yeah. uh, when you re-listen to your own Sorry episodes, <laughs> yeah. no, you you're find great. some cringeworthy things. Oh, no, no. We're, we do it on our own. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, and, and please like and subscribe uh, to Riveting Broads mm-hmm. on all of those those uh, podcast platforms. And then Kara, is there anything that our guests should know about you? Any like what's, you know, do you have social media they should follow? Is there anything you're working on? Anything you specialize oh, in that yeah. you're like, yes, I killed this. Let me talk about it. I know, right? Um, no pressure. I try to do social media, but you can find <laughs> me under Communication Sync or Kara Hutchins. I am on Instagram and LinkedIn. And... Um, no, I mean, I just want to thank both of you so much because you talk about being vulnerable. So I was really nervous before this. <laughs> I've never done a podcast before. You but, you know, I think trying new things is also a way that we sort of uh, can connect, too. Because, you know, when you get out there and you do something face-to-face with people, you forge these connections. And I think that's another powerful way that we can all work together absolutely thank you for the opportunity thank you for sharing that too because i really think that vulnerability is strength and if it's Mm -hmm. any consolation every single person who's come in here has said that they were really (laughs) nervous and also i still get really nervous doing this i'm like shoot i didn't have my motherwort tincture i'm like all off kilter because it really she just revealed her her naturalist card there oh Oh, yeah i'll have to go get some of that say oh also thank you for bringing us honey and um just a little environmentalist plug it is these are so important they really are they feed us just so everyone knows Mm -hmm. they're really sweet no bees no flowers flowers create produce that's where fruit and vegetables come from so if you like eating fresh vegetables don't kill bees (laughs) and on that note we'll see you on our next episode (laughs) thanks for listening